In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. It's been a great third down defense the last two weeks. Oh, the Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield, intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. Hour number two here on this Monday. Glad to have you with us. I want to thank Trevor Madge for joining us last hour, breaking it down from the college side. And again, if you get a chance to check out Trevor Madge's college football tour, had to do it virtually this year. But uh, just amazing stuff, the amazing stories that you get with this. And, and even though it was virtual this year, they really pulled it off uh, you know, with focusing on Clemson and Georgia, Oregon and Cincinnati. But like you said, when he does these things, this is all in his own dime. He puts thousands upon thousands of miles on his vehicle. The ESPN cameras uh, travel with him. Goes to all these different campuses usually. Been doing it for 12 years now. And uh, the stories that, that he will get, uh, pr- pretty incredible. Yeah, it would be interesting if you did it with him one year because it would be the college football slash foodie tour <laughs> you got that of, right. of every place that you stop driving across the entire country. You know, we talked about the music you know, uh, that, that he plays you know, during that. Can you imagine our, our, our playlist, how eclectic that would be if him It'd and I were traveling eclectic. together? And I, I get the feeling that that's the one thing that he probably missed from having to do it virtual this year was being on the road and, and all the other stuff that goes on with it. Because while some people would think, oh, what a, what a drudgery that would be going across country, I, I, I get the feeling that that's a relaxation and everything, and that's what he kind of lives for, is that going from school to school and everything and getting that time on the road to just absorb everything else that uh, you have when you're driving across country. Yeah, no, he loves it. And uh, he loves it so much that, again, like I said, he – he, he he does it on his own dime. And my question is, I've, I've never asked him this. It's like, why isn't ESPN paying for this? They need to foot the bill. I mean, come on, man. I mean, they're paying for your flights and everything else when you go do games. What's the deal with that? Pay well, that man his money. Why are you on the hook, Trevor? Well, and especially when they're the ones that are essentially picking the schools. Right. I mean, you know, if it's his own dime, he should be, <laughs> I want to go here, there, there. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just feels that way that he has more freedom to do it his way and everything yeah. because it's not a corporate thing necessary. You know, it's my dime. I'm doing it. So I'm going to do it my way, so to speak. A song that did not make our music list last Friday. It, it didn't. There you go. And, and I wish our next guest could have participated with us uh, on our, our last Friday show where we had all of our guests pick their favorite song because, as you know, we went deep into the song list. Uh, he's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. He's the former Green Bay Packer running back, also with the Rams, the pride of Notre Dame, and uh, one of the greatest high school athletes of all time, too. i got to throw that in uh, from Euclid, Ohio. Tony Fisher. What's up, T-Fish? Oh, no much. What's going on, TC? Man, good to hear from you again, brother. Uh, Tony's still uh, with the Packers, man. Director of Player uh, Alumni Relations there. Uh, no better place to be than Lambeau Field, right? <laughs> Not at all. It's a good time of year right now. You know, all of the all of the other foolishness is behind us right now, so we're looking forward to a good season. All right, man, i got to ask you, so how much – of a of a circus atmosphere was there this year with all the Aaron Rodgers questions. I mean, going back to the beginning when you know people didn't know if he was going to be there or not. We all knew that he was going to show up because the Packers held all the cards. To the fact is, you know, he didn't uh, you know uh, play in any of the preseason games. Was there that media throng which we've seen in Green Bay before? Uh, you know, with with other you know training camps in years past. Well, it was it was no different than any other place, you know, that have little situations that go on with their players. Obviously, sometimes things can be a little magnified out here, but for the most part, everything was pretty normal. So training camp is always a festive atmosphere there in Green Bay where the crowd, they come from all over the place. Uh, how were the protocols for this training camp, you know, last year? Because obviously people could not attend training camp last year. And, you know, we knew all about, you know, the, the kids uh, ha- uh, bringing the bicycles and the players, you know, driving those over, you know, from across the street over to the, the training facility and everything. How big were the crowds this year and what was it like? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was nowhere near as big as it has been in the past. 
but you know, with all of the COVID protocols and the guys not really being able to come in contact with the fans like they were able to when I was playing, you know, it was a bit it was a bit different. You know, they had some barriers and stuff like that that kept the fans and the players away from each other. But the players were still they still had the opportunity to be able to see some of the fans. When it comes to a team like the Packers, and we know that the preseason football games just ended. Do you think it makes any uh, difference the fact that Aaron Rodgers didn't take a snap and, you know, some teams approach preseason games differently? Or, you know, he, obviously he has some chemistry with a lot of the players on his team, but uh, with the bye week going on this season, do you think it's going to affect them at all that he didn't get a, a snap in the preseason? Or will he just hit the field and it'll be, you know, Packer football as usual? Um, luckily, you know, our core players, they're veterans, you know, and the last few um uh, preseasons they haven't had the opportunity they they haven't played you know so I know they get a lot they get good reps during uh, practice you know so therefore as long as they're practicing game speed they should be okay obviously it's never the exact same when you're practicing it but when you have that opportunity to go out there in the game at least we know that they'll be mentally and physically prepared Fish, what are your thoughts uh, on this? And we talked a little bit about it last hour on on the star players not playing at all in the preseason. You know, talking about the quarterback situation, we know that Rogers is one of those guys. But then you got guys that didn't play at all. They were with new teams. I mean, Matt Stafford didn't take a snap. You know, with his new team. And you know, where do you stand on this when you got got guys like Dak Prescott coming off an of injury, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan. We mentioned Rogers, Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, uh, and a lot of these teams have a lot of question marks. What are your thoughts when when you don't have you got- these guys taking one snap at all? And we've got you know the, the two weeks you know off before well, you I- start playing for real. Well, I mean, you think about it. You know, you got that extra game in there now, you know, so you obviously, and you got to protect your money. You know, at the end of the day, you know, these quarterbacks are high priced guys, and you don't want them taking any more hits than what you have to subject them to. You know, so in this case, it's all about the repetitions that they get in, the, um, in practice, and then also just the mental reps going through, you know, the game plan with their coaches, and then also with their veteran players, with the receivers, linemen, and stuff like that. Meeting and preparation is key key during the situations like this he's tony fisher former green bay packer uh, running back also with the rams and of course uh, played uh, had a great career at the university of notre dame and with the green bay packers right now in their front office uh tony when you look at this packer team here uh let's let's talk a little bit about jordan love because there was a lot of talk about him and he didn't get a chance to play much either because uh, he was injured, you know, you know, during this, so he didn't get the snaps. I mean, you got you had you know quarterbacks taking snaps here that some people never even heard of before. Uh, what is your observation of Jordan Love for for seeing him in practices and, and the little bit that you have seen? I thought he, I mean, like when you you know he showed some great flashes and stuff in the, in the games and stuff that he did play in, you know. So I do believe you know. Um, He's he's made drastic improvement from his rookie year, considering like this year is the first time that he's ever had any real game experience. And hopefully, he doesn't have to go out there yet this year. But I think you know when the time comes, he'll be he'll be prepared and ready to go. How committed do you think the Packers are to him for the future? I mean, right now, you know, we're committed to number twelve, and it's all about him. And as long as number twelve is on the team, you know, he's going to be our leader right now. Talk a little bit about some of these other quarterback battles here and uh, sticking in the NFC North. I mean, you've got the, the bears and they're going to go with Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. Uh, I know you watched uh, Justin Fields play at Ohio state and Georgia before that. Uh, but uh, they're going to go with the, the redheaded rifleman here. They're, they're bringing him in and they're going to say, Hey, uh, we're, we're going to start with you, but we've seen the bears do this before. As you know, last year when Trubisky got off to a pretty good start, and then they said, you're going to the bench, and that eventually led to, to him being dismissed altogether to another organization. I, I, well, you know what? I would, I would like for them. Obviously, I would love to see a guy from Ohio State go out there and be able to do his thing. You know, Justin, he, I thought he played well during, during um, the preseason, but if they want to go ahead and, you know, stick to, like you said, the rare rifle man. Let him go ahead and do it. You know, we'll welcome that. It is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, most teams are still chasing us up here in the NFC North, and, you know, everything's going to come through Green Bay. 
You mentioned the fact that teams are chasing the Packers in the division, and that's no secret. I mean, I think most people would be shocked if they didn't win that division. So do they go into the season with a different mindset than some teams that are maybe fighting to win a division, making it into the playoffs, knowing that they're the big favorite to make the playoffs right now? Are they looking at just, like, positioning in the playoffs, maybe trying to get the best record in the NFC for home field on that instead of necessarily worrying about uh, not that they're not all professional teams, but let's face it, the Bears, Lions, and Vikings, don't you know it's exactly instill a lot of fear in a lot of people that are football fans i mean no matter how you look at it you know you got to go in there you know with a chip on your shoulder you just can't go in there thinking hey we're going to run through the nfc north at the end of the day all these guys get played to play football so they're going to give their best week in and week out so we can't go in there just thinking that we're going to automatically just run everybody over if we go in there with that mentality you know things might not turn out the way that we want them to Three preseason games. We're going to go to uh, 17 regular season games. It just seems like it's a matter of time before we get to 18 you know, regular season games. Tell, tell me, as a, a former player, what do you think is the perfect preseason for a player right now? How many games would you want to play for preseason? How many regular season games? Kind of if, if you were allowed to dictate uh, you know, the schedule here, what, what do you think players would r- rather have? Uh, I think players would probably not want to do any of the preseason games. But if it was me still playing, probably give me two games and then let's move. Let's go on to the regular season. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no need to keep on beating up the body if there's no. There's no need to keep beating up the body if we don't need to. You know, football is a physical sport as it is, and let's go ahead. Let's get those two games. You know, to hopefully be able to fill out the bottom half of your roster, and then let's get to it. You know, you were one of those guys that went undrafted. You had to fight to make a roster spot and made yourself a great career, you know, in the NFL and specifically, you know, with the Packers. Talk a little bit about that if you didn't have any, any preseason games and, and what your journey was like. Because, again, you, were, you came in there and you played four preseason games and you got snaps in, in, in every game. And granted, after you knew you were going to make the team, you know, in, in you know, years two, three, four, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you were still one of those guys that played in every exhibition game, right? Yeah, I was, I was one of those guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, especially with me, you know, being a leader on special teams and all that other stuff, it was always about trying to just get some type of experience. You know, and like I said, you know, with, with the, the way that um, the preseason is made now, with these three games, you know, you don't play your starters, but you play a lot of those younger guys that's going to try to fill out the back half of that uh, roster. And then you start seeing what type of players that you have, you know, on your roster and see what guys will be able to contribute and how they'll be able to contribute. You know, so, I mean, it's tough, you know, but you do want to see what some of those younger guys could do when you have a veteran squad, you know, that have been able to go out there and prove themselves year in and year out right now. When it comes to assessing talent, what are the coaches looking for in the preseason? Like, how much percentage of it is the preseason games when, let's face it, you have second and third stringers going against second and third stringers in most cases, or is it what they see in practice and on the game field when they're actually hands-on coaching the guys? Yeah, I mean, it is like you said, it's both practice and game field, and is that player dependable? You know, do that player know all his assignments and all of that stuff? What type of MAs are you making? Is it correctable? You know, is this guy going to go out there and give you 110% effort each time he's out there and given an opportunity? You know, I remember with me, the main thing was, can you protect number four? And if you couldn't protect number four, you would not be playing. You know, <laughs> So that was something that was big, you know, made sure that I knew all of the passing schemes and what was going on within our, within our offense, what our offensive line was doing. Did I know what routes to run? That what did I know how to play off of our receivers and stuff like that? You know, so the thing is, just being there, like you got to be a student of the game, especially if you know you're not going to be a starter. You got to make sure you're a student of the game and you are ready when your number is called upon. Tony Fisher, former Green Bay Packer running back, still with the team right now, director of uh, alumni relations. Tony, talk a little bit about your position there with the Packers. Uh, I don't mean your position uh, right now. I mean your former position. We're talking about the running backs. You had to pr- protect number four, and now you got guys that uh, have to protect number 12. Uh, what do you think of, of the running backs that the Packers are going to put on the field this year? Uh, I mean, obviously we know what Aaron Jones is going to bring. You know, A.J. Dillon, he's been a beast. You know, this is his second year, so we, we kind of know what we got out of him. And then, you know, we got some good young talent out there, too, with uh, Kylan Hill and then uh, um, Taylor. You know, so 
it's going to be interesting. I think we will bring some versatility. You know, we got a little thunder and lightning type duo out there, and you know, I think our guys are going to be prepared and be ready to go. Coach Sermons, Coach Sermons has done a wonderful job with the running backs and all the people that he's had over the years. All right, Randall Cobb is back. We know that made Aaron Rodgers uh, happy. I mean, because they had some great connections in years past. Uh, talk a little bit about Cobb. You know, coming back to the Packers, and uh, what do you see for him this year? I mean, you got veteran leadership right there. That's somebody that you know he's going to help out those young receivers, and then that's somebody that Aaron trusts. You know, so I think having him on the team—that's another guy that you have. You know, that to be able to share some of that wisdom, especially if we hit a rough patch, he'll be able to go ahead and help get the players through all of that. And like I said, when A. Rod has more people that he trusts, the better off this team is. Obviously, the Packers go into this season. They're not hoping to win the division. They're expected to do that. They're hoping to get another Super Bowl. What will be the biggest hurdle for them to win a Super Bowl? Is it something on the defense? Is there a glitch somewhere on the offense? What is the thing that could prevent them from winning a Super Bowl? Because we know every team has weaknesses. Yeah, every team has weaknesses. And what ours is, I have no idea. You know, at the end of the day, I just I would probably say it. Is, is going to be more of us as a team just as opposed to another team just out being us because I know we have more than enough talent to go out there and win a Super Bowl. All right, Fish. Uh, Vikings, what do you think of them this year? Yeah, they are who they are. We don't care too much about them. We worry about us. <laughs> That's it. You said, forget the rest of the NFC North. Forget everybody else, right? I mean, you got bigger fish. You're, you're looking. You're, you you want Tom Brady back, right? You want a little revenge game against uh, the Brady and the Bucks, right? Yep, bring it. Let's go. Let's go. All right, I'll tell you what about bringing it. Where are you going to these days? Where's your where? Since I left, where's your go to restaurant there in Green Bay? Where are you going after work these days? Uh, where I go after work, I go home because I know eat too much at margaritas. You know it ain't gonna be too healthy for the body, but that's still a good go-to spot. You can't, you can't beat it. Come on, man, you're not playing anymore, man. So again, you have to watch your diet. It's okay, fish. You can, you can live. Hey, I still got, I still got to protect it. I still got to protect it. <laughs> this is true. Hey, before we let you go, uh, Irish, what are you thinking, man? I, I know how, how close they are to your heart. You're rooting for them every year. You try to get back to a game or two. What are the Irish going to look like? I think I think we're going to be solid. I know we're we're right there at number seven right now, and I'll actually be going to that Badger, uh, the Badger Irish game in Chicago this year. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to be solid. You know, I think we'll still be up there in the top five or whatnot. You know how we finish it out. You know, it all depends. You know, we always start off good and have those hot games that you know we show a lot of flashes, but then sometimes when we get into the big one, we kind of choke a little bit. But I think we'll be okay. With the trend looking right now in college football that it might go to four power conferences with the stuff with the Big 12 and Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, do you see Notre Dame going to a a power four conference? And if so, which one, Big 10 or ACC? No, we'll we'll stay right where we're at. You know, we'll, we'll keep it independent. We're not too worried about going into that. You know, we've been able to compete with all of the other conferences, you know, by staying independent. So I don't see us joining another conference or anything like that. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's all the other conferences in Notre Dame football. That's true. And, again, that uh, it's a big check there. It's a big check to walk away from as Notre Dame has that deal with NBC, and it's it, it's hard to walk away from that. Even though that was kind of cool to see Notre Dame play the, S- the ACC schedule last year because we know that they – are an ACC member in basketball. So, I mean, again, yep. we, we finally had a little bit of continuity there, you know? Yes, yes, we did. I mean, it was good to see that, you know, we kind of know what it will look like if we were in a conference, but at the end of the day, nothing beats your independence. All right, you know, so Frank is a big Ohio State guy, and he knows okay. that you're from Ohio, and he, I know he's thinking, well, Fish, why did you go to Notre Dame instead of Ohio State? You want to tell him the story <laughs> or what? No, we ain't going to get into that. You know, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> but, you know, when when certain people tell me I wouldn't be anything if I left the state, you know, unfortunately I had to do what I had to do. But, hey, I still go back home all the time, still got a house there and everything. And, hey, Ohio is still home no matter what. You got it, man. All right, great career at Notre Dame, too, <laughs> and, uh, and great with the Packers at the – uh, in the NFL as well. All right, my man, we'll let you go. Yep. We appreciate you as always. Uh, good luck and hopefully uh, get to get back there for a game, man, so we can hook it up. Yeah, I appreciate it. Take care, man. There he is, Tony right. Fisher, uh, 
One of my all-time favorite guys. Uh, you did a lot of radio with me uh, my time back there. We have Amon Green on, Gilbert Brown, Tony Fisher, all those guys uh, back uh, on those teams. Uh, just uh, phenomenal memories, from phenomenal times, and uh, all big-time players with that organization. Yeah, I wonder if with, if with Amon Green, uh, you know, when he's looking at the Packer lineup, when he looks at it and sees what all the ratings are in the uh, video games and that, because we know that he's trying to get teams up for that as well. So and uh, maybe by the time you get back there and uh, you take these guys out uh, or you go out with them in Wisconsin again, maybe you can find those Freddies there, because I know there's some Freddies there in Wisconsin these days as well. That's right. I should have told Fish about that. In Appleton, which is just a short drive from Green Bay, about 25, 30 minutes, yeah. Well, by the time you get back there, there might yeah. be one in Green Bay. Yeah, Could be. You never know. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Freddy's in Appleton, and uh, we know the mm-hmm. Basio uh, is is all over that. The new Wisconsin Brat Burger, <laughs> <laughs> probably coming. You know, very very soon. Uh, so, as you could tell by by him, I mean, he really definitely thinks it's it's Green Bay and everybody else. Well, and not the vision it is. It, it, it really it pains is. me to say yeah. it, but it is. It is. It is because because all these GMs and the other organizations behind the scenes are clowns. They're jokes. They don't know how to build a football team. They've been trying to do it forever, and they fail year after year, decade after decade. It's nauseating. It's annoying. It's ridiculous. Build a winner already for crying out loud. Why don't you go apply for the GM job with the Bears? That's what you should do. I would love that job. (laughs) Sure you would. You know, although... uh, we, we know that the one, uh, McCaskey, that was part of the 85 Bears, uh, he ended up mowing the lawn at the practice facility because he, yeah. he was so incompetent. Yeah. Yeah, you'd probably get fired right away. Maybe the, 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 the first time that uh, uh, you'd have to deal with a press conference and blast some of these media, and then again with some of these players that say, hey, I, I don't want to show up. Uh, it's, it's too much work today. I can't do that. You'd, you'd, you'd tell them to hit, hit the high road and... Well, I, I you'd, have, you'd have a revolt going. Yeah, you, you, you never know. I might get fired within the first week, or I might be your new soundbite guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is true. This is true. All right, uh, we come back. Uh, we'll uh, talk a little more uh, NFL. We got Major League Baseball schedule to look at tonight, and we will take a look at the fight. I really don't want to call it a fight. I'm not even sure I want to talk about this. But I'm sure Frank wants to talk about it because he watched it. So we'll give you some thoughts on the pseudo fight. It was nice to see Al Bernstein actually get to do commentary for the fights and kind of take the lead and hear him on the undercard as well as the so-called main event. Yeah, except we're used to seeing Al Bernstein call meaningful fights. So, uh, but again, he told yeah. us that you know there were four. There, there were there were some decent. Fight. The undercard actually wasn't that bad. Even the fights that were dominated, like in the women's fight, although the winner was a minus twenty five hundred favorite, the other girl came to fight. It went the distance. All right, so we'll talk uh, what took place in Cleveland last night. Uh, Jake Paul, Tyrone Woodley. We'll hit that and a whole lot more on this magnificent Monday. This is Showtime, Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning into the TC Martin Show. Football season, you know what that means. Yes, we are back at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Come and check out the show on Fridays. Starting this Friday, we got a whole big slate of college football games. NFL, get back to that next week. But uh, yes, college football back. Trevor Maddich, looking forward to it again. Look at uh, his special, the ESPN Sports Center special that uh, aired over the weekend, Trevor's College Football Tour. And uh, yeah. Looking forward to a whole board full of games coming up this weekend. Actually, we've got games Thursday, like all day, all night. Friday, same situation. Not just a couple games. And then Saturday, boom, it's back. It's ready to go. And when we're doing the show Friday at the Cosmopolitan, we'll have college football games on during the show at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I know the competition wasn't much, but... uh couple teams that the Rebels will be facing in the Mountain West that looked pretty good this weekend. Mm-hmm. San Jose State. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like, you know, so. But, again, we'll see what happens. It's interesting, too, because I was watching one of the local news channels the other day, and they were doing a preview of the Rebels. And they said the Rebels have to make sure that they don't look past their first opponent coming up this coming Thursday. And I'm sitting there watching going, their total for the season is one and a half wins. 
They better not be looking ahead at to, of anybody. Especially they're playing Eastern Washington that has a pretty good team, and they've got a quarterback basically is an All-American type yeah, they, of quarterback. Yeah, they, they have some like juniors yeah. and seniors at the skill yes. positions in that. And again, I understand they're saying it's like, well, UNLV, they're at home, they're in their new stadium, this and that. But I'm, but I'm thinking it's like, and I know it's kind of like sports talk and that. You know, it's kind of one of those cliche things you say, well, you don't want to look past them. If your win total is one and a half, and I'm not saying you should totally look at what the sports books and that kind of stuff say about you, if it's one and a half, you literally better not be looking past anybody. Right. Yeah, and when I say all American, obviously, you know, we're talking about for the, the subdivision. Yeah. But they but they are good, yeah. Yeah. Eastern Washington, yeah. Home of the red turf. Yeah. yeah. They got the red turf up there. But uh yeah, their program's pretty good. It it's been pretty good in basketball as well. And UNLV you would think, <laughs> you know, it would be have a walkover opponent in this situation. But after what we saw happen, what, uh, what now, what, three years ago? When it uh, was Howard where they were, what, uh, you know, 45-point favorites and, and they lost the game outright? Well, they've had a history oh. of it. I mean, let's face it. And I, I don't want to bring up old wounds or something, but I remember going to a game years ago at Sam Boyd when they played Northern Arizona. Mm-hmm. And they lost that game. I mean, you, you can't – if you're not a powerhouse team, and nobody should actually ever look past an opponent, but sometimes – you understand when it happens. But, no, I mean, it, and it's not a knock on them. It's just a reality. They better not be looking past anybody. No. They're can't. not good enough to. Plus, you want if you have an opponent that you think you should beat, then go out there and really beat them and get some confidence and get more guys a chance to get in the game and get some reps in that sort of stuff. So I'm also curious to see if there's going to be pyrotechnics at the game for UNLV just because I, some of my friends went to the Guns N' Roses concert, and I heard that, once again, there was no pyrotechnics. You know, that they were posting on so social no media. For and wrestling that. and then for Guns yeah, N' Roses. Yeah, because they were saying, it's like, hey, when you saw Guns N' Roses in other cities, did you have pyrotechnics? Because we didn't have any here in Vegas. Now, I was not there, but that's what I've had, like, three different friends of mine that were at the concert say. So it's kind of strange. And, you know, the first night at SummerSlam, we heard that it had something to do with uh, the same thing with the problems at the concession stand and that sort of stuff. But, I mean, I don't think Guns N' Roses is a gigantic pyrotechnic show, but they've used them before. And again, for me, there is no place for pyrotechnics in a college football game, an NFL football game. You but don't UNLV need it, used them last year with no fans. I, I know. And, and, that <laughs> and was, they use them in the basketball and, games. And, and that's probably why they're, they're not using them. Because if you remember, because we went to those games last year, and actually I'm not sure if they continued that for all the home games. But remember the smoke came up and it didn't come off very good. I mean, you're inside. I know what you're going to say about basketball when they do the starting lineups, but that, that's, that's different. You don't well, yeah, it's, it's a save very the small, money. Yeah, it's a very small amount, and it yeah. doesn't last very long. Yeah, yeah, for football, they shoot off a little bit more in that. Yeah. Save like the I money. say, I, I, I don't care one way or another. I'm not a pyrotechnic guy necessarily. Yeah. But uh, you know, and obviously in wrestling, it is a big one. WWE couldn't use it because half the guys, that their ring entrance mm-hmm. is all pyrotechnics mm-hmm. and stuff. But, again, it's just something I'm just throwing out there for mm-hmm. a little honor fodder. A little fodder. I got you. You know, five games, college football games last week, and all of them were blowouts. Now, the Nebraska-Illinois game had the closest point spread. You know, that, that was seven. And that really wasn't as close as the final score indicated. Illinois won 30-22, to and they were the underdog. But all the other with games— With a backup quarterback. Yeah. With, well, yeah. Peters started but then got hurt, you know, early on that game. And then, actually, the better quarterback was Zidkowski, who came over from Rutgers— so, yeah, I never thought much of Brandon Peters, but uh, those guys were battling out, and I think that uh, Zizkowski was going to play no matter what anyway in that game. But, uh, yeah, Nebraska looked horrendous again. And as Scott Frost said after the game, well, same old movie. And this is something that I even bought into a little bit of the hype with Nebraska, thinking, okay, Scott Frost, what? Now you've got your own players there now. This, these are your recruits. So this is going to be the year. I'm not an Adrian Martinez fan, never have been. seems like he's been there for seven years, like you said, uh, off the air. Uh, but he's not a good quarterback. But the running backs are good. The receivers are good. And the defense was supposed to be much better. And in a revenge game like that, where you got blasted 41-23 to to Illinois last year, and Illinois is not very good, you know, the former – you know, uh, Nebraska coach Bo Pelini is 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 your is the, is now the coach at Illinois. You're thinking, well, okay, Brett Bielema. Uh, Brett Bielema. I'm sorry, I said yeah. Pelini. Yeah, uh, Brett Bielema. So you're thinking, okay, they're they're new. I always get uh, Pelini and, and Bielema. Uh, thanks, but anyway, um, 
you know, new system, new coach, all that sort of thing. You figure, okay, advantage Nebraska here. Hence, that's why they are six, six and a half point favorite, you know, on the road. But Nebraska looked as bad as they were last year. And when that guy, one of their players, went to go do the fair catch inside the two-yard line, uh, or or, or rather field a punt, not the fair catch, I'm sorry, field a punt inside the two-yard line, and then ended up getting blasted in the end zone and tried to throw the ball forward 20 yards, that was the beginning of the end for me. I said, what are these clowns doing? And it got worse after that. Yeah, and, and you're right, too. And, and, and I don't know why it seems like Martinez has been there forever. I remember when he first came to the school, and it does seem like he's been there six or seven years or something, but there was all the hype about him. And he can run, and he did that in this game. He had, the, I think it was a 75-yard touchdown yep. run. But he can't throw the ball. He doesn't have accuracy. He throws into double and triple coverage. Uh, he just doesn't make the right decisions. And, again, it's not a knock on him. He's a college kid. He's trying to do the best he can. But every year we hear this is the year that he's going to come to maturity. This is the year he's going to play better. And, again, a bad start against a team that's not very good. Illinois is not expected to be good. you know. So I don't know what's happened with Nebraska football. It's a far cry from what they used to be. And I don't know what the answer is to get it any better because, you know, it, when they were good back when we were young and it was Tom Osborne or something like that and, you know, they were playing the Oklahomas and other teams of the world and, you know, there was those rivalries going on. I don't even know what the real draw to Nebraska is these days. Come to Nebraska where all they care about is football, but they suck at it. I mean, they're, they're just not that good. No, they're not. Again, in, they can still get quality recruits. And this, you know, again, I bought in a little bit of the hype thinking, okay, you know, th- these, these are Frost guys. His back's against the wall, but it all starts at that quarterback position. They've got some pretty good skill position players, but that defense could not get off the field against an Illinois team that basically ran it down their throat. And, and again, you know, Illinois doesn't have a great home field advantage there in Champaign. Not at all. I mean, they had 41,000 people there, and, you know, good for those guys. They were, they were into the game, and they were hyped up, and, and Bielema did a, a fantastic job of, of getting them ready to play football. But to me, that was more disappointing uh, for a Nebraska fan, and you know what's going to be happening now. It, that They're going to be calling for Frost's head. He might not make it out of the season because the schedule's only going to get tougher. Well, yeah, you would think it's going to get tougher, and it, – I, again, I don't know what happens to Nebraska football. You know, the, the question that always comes up, and it's a legitimate one, if they are calling for Frost's head and if they do get rid of him, well, then who's replacing him? You know, you have to make sure that you get somebody better. And if you get a different coach, is he going to completely overhaul the offense, the defense, everything else out there? There's a lot of questions in Nebraska. You're right. They still get some quality players. But if you have really good guys at the skill position – but you have a quarterback that can't get him the ball, it pretty much negates that uh, th- that yeah. advantage that you have. And, and the thing about it is with, with, with Frost, he's one of their own, and you get that, all right? But he had success. You know, Central Florida, before he came over, I mean, he had success. So, it, okay, maybe this guy is a leader. Maybe, you know, he is a recruiter because, you know, Central Florida had some pretty good teams. They, they were just turning the page, you know, when, when he got there. And So I, I don't know. But, again, I'll go back to this. You know, when you change conferences like this and you try to make a step up, and that's what Nebraska did, okay? When they left the Big 12 to go to the Big 10, it didn't make any sense. I mean, maybe a little bit from a proximity standpoint because, you know, you're relatively close, you know, to the Iowas and the Iowa States and that, and that sort of thing. But the bottom line is you're leaving a conference where I don't want to say you dominated. I mean, I guess we could say that when it was back in the Big 8 and, you know, uh, the Big 12. But they, they were certainly upper up. Absolutely they were. But then now you're taking a step up, and they have not been competitive since they've been in the Big Ten. Same thing that I talk about was going to happen that I believe with Texas and Oklahoma when you go to the SEC. It hasn't transferred that way with A&M and Missouri going from the Big 12 to the SEC. It is just too hard to do. In Maryland, in a Rutgers, those teams, they're further behind than Nebraska you know, right now. So, yeah, I just it doesn't make any sense. It, well, it makes dollar sense. That's the only thing. It makes dollar sense for these universities, but from a competitive standpoint, they're they're just too far uh, that they have to catch up with recruiting and, and everything else that goes on there. Facilities too. And, and you're right. And you know, maybe to the presidents of these schools 
or the uh, university boards and that, maybe the dollars is enough. Maybe that's all that really does matter in the end because if you're getting more dollars from a bigger conference and you're getting more money even if you're not winning and competing for the championship, you can still do more in the – you know, in, in the other programs and the other endeavors outside of the, you know, the collegiate things in the classroom and that. But, yeah, if you want to build a quality program and try to win some football games and make it to the postseason and maybe even eventually a college playoff series or something like that, you can't do it. It's like, what do we always hear about the SEC? The one thing that they always throw out there is Vanderbilt. Yeah, Vanderbilt's never going to compete for a championship, maybe in – lacrosse or field hockey or something someplace on there. I don't really know what those yeah, programs but, are but like. Not football but they're and basketball. not going to in football right. and basketball. But they it seems like they don't care because they have a good quality educational program. They still get all the SEC money. And so what? So they get beat up on a couple times a year. It's still a good place to go to school from what I understand academically and everything. So it depends on what role you want to have and what role you're willing to take on. Right now we hear we see a lot of teams out there trying to think of well, you know, where are we going to go? Do we try to go to a bigger conferences? The Pac-12 already said they're not going to expand, but if they continue this role, this trend that's going on right now, it seems like eventually they're going to have to. Now we hear BYU is talking to the Big 12, so they might go to that school, that conference, which I find interesting at the time when everybody's talking about the Big 12 is just going to implode and not even exist anymore. So are they doing this to maybe to be a stepping stone to get into one of the other Power 4s? Do they really think that they can save the Big 12 and keep the Power 5 scheme or something? There's so many things going on right now, and it's all a guessing game. I don't have a crystal ball, and if I did, I don't think it would be all that accurate about what's going to happen in the future. Because if you would have said 20 years ago the layout of what college football and sports is right now, well, yeah, this team is in this conference in basketball and this one in football, and they're independent over here, and they're, it's like it's, it's, it's a crapshoot. Everything's yeah. all over the place. And forget about trying to use geographical locations is trying to figure out where anything is anymore because that's completely out the window. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, you mentioned uh, a couple of Mountain West schools. I mean, San Jose State blasted Southern Utah 45-14. Fresno State 45 nothing over Connecticut. Uh, you knew that uh, Fresno State and San Jose State are, are going to be good this year in the Mountain West. San Jose State and, looked really good. Their quarterback, I think, had almost 300 yards in the first half in that game. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he, he's good. He came over from, from Arkansas, had a very good year uh, you know, last year. So Nick Starkle, he's, I, I like him. But UCLA was the big question mark. You know, people say, okay, Kind of like Scott Frost in Nebraska, what is Chip Kelly going to do? A lot of people want him out at UCLA. They said, okay, well, you know, he's really got some very good recruits, but still, you know, he's he's got Robinson, their you know Bishop former Bishop Gorman, you know, quarterback there. Uh, he's a guy that has not uh, played well during his his college football career, but they played Hawaii and they blasted Hawaii, and now they're getting ready to take on LSU this week. Double B will be at that game coming up Saturday, so very interested to see. Uh, how UCLA is going to fare against Ed Argeron and LSU in the Rose Bowl this week. I don't know if you saw any of that game against Hawaii, but uh, you know the Rose Bowl is always great to look at. Literally, it looked like there was less than 20,000 fans there. I mean, I've never seen like an empty Rose Bowl like that. And I get it. And maybe against Oregon State and some of these, these teams, these night games, you know, the place is half empty. I get that. But like no one was there uh, for that game uh, against Hawaii. But UCLA got a victory. But what is going to happen with the Bruins? Big question mark. And we're going to find out how real they are coming up on Saturday. Well, maybe that crowd had something to do. Maybe Hawaii brought all their fans, and they're not allowed to have fans this year, so you know it didn't <laughs> fill up the stadium anymore. But no, it, yeah, it is interesting. And I and I was watching a little bit of that game because I was channel surfing. That's how I, I watched the San Jose State game quite yeah. a bit of that. I watched the Illinois Nebraska and that. So I was channel surfing, checking out some football this weekend for sure. And uh, the one thing that I think the announcers even mentioned it a couple of times, it's like, if you're a UCLA fan, do not put too much into this game. The good thing for UCLA, if they're playing a team like LSU, and we don't know how good LSU is going to be this year. I mean, a couple of years ago, they were expected to be great, and they got off to that horrendous start. But historically, they're a pretty good program. The best thing for UCLA, in my opinion, it was almost like a preseason game. At least they have a game under their belt even though it's against an inferior oh, competition. No. Yeah, yeah. Because that's gonna because they're gonna need every advantage they can get if they want to beat LSU. Yeah. And you know, Hawaii, by the way, they don't have a home this year. They don't have a home field because the Loa Stadium has been condemned. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly where they're gonna be playing their home games. 
maybe maybe they maybe they have to go to the road for every one of them. I don't know, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's not like because I an alternative stadium. Because I remember a few weeks. Because I remember about a month ago when they made the announcement that they weren't going to allow fans there because of the COVID outbreak in Hawaii and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So maybe they thought, well, this is the perfect time to get them the stadium. There's no mm-hmm. fans anyhow. So. I've never been over there. I know they did the Pro Bowl and a lot of right. things over there, but uh, and I've seen it on Hawaii Five O. But it's not like a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 not a bucket list thing for me to go to the Hawaii Football Stadium, Aloha Stadium. <laughs> no, it looks pretty old and decrepit a little bit. Well, it's, it is so much that it's condemned. So we had an abandoned soccer game last week, and we got a condemned football stadium this week. All right, where there's not where they're not allowing fans, exactly. which they wouldn't anyhow because it's condemned. So, all right. Uh, Okay, let's talk about this. Uh, let me let me let me vent and get this off my chest here. All right, so Jake Paul defeated Tyrone Woodley. I, I wasn't even sure that I wanted to bring this up, and I even wanted to talk about this because I don't know. Well, I know for me, it's it's not relevant a, at all. I mean, it's basically who cares, uh, and I definitely don't care, and I really don't know anybody who did care about this fight. Um, I really don't know anyone that paid attention to this thing. Uh, I know that ESPN didn't care because when I was semi-curious, it was like 9, 9.30. I hadn't heard any results yet. 10 o'clock at night, still hadn't heard any results yet. I say, well, let me just go to, to ESPN. Nothing was on ESPN.com. And I look at the, the bottom line, you know, how they have the lead. And the fight was, was already over. And it did, the card did last longer than I thought it would because yeah. it didn't end until about nine thirty. Yeah. Okay. So after ten o'clock, ten thirty, I'm looking at this stuff, and you know how ESPN has the lead. And uh, here, here's what you had in the lead. They had like five things on on the lead, and they uh, you know talked about uh, the Oakland A's uh, you know d- defeat the Yankees. Uh, they talked about the Giants getting shut out uh, by the Braves. Uh, that NFL exhibition you know uh, injury. You know, uh, to to the Ravens running back, we saw that. Uh, Javi Baez saw that, and oh, yeah, then, the thumbs down yeah, celebration, thumbs down, and then had a little league World Series. There was no mention of Jake Paul and Tyrone Woodley or whatever. And so here we go again. Now I know that you watched the fight. I'm curious to get your take on this, but here we go. Another UFC guy with zero boxing experience trying to get into a ring against another guy with. Zero boxing experience, and I want to hear the guys had three fights against Ham and Eggers. I don't want to hear about that because neither one of these guys are boxers. Neither one has any experience, and this seemed to be another travesty. So what was your takeaway from this objectively? Objectively, I mean, I'll say I thought the undercard was actually semi-entertaining, even though most of the fights were kind of one-sided. And no one's tuned uh, in for the undercard. Yeah, both. Yeah. Uh, again, I was watching the undercard, so you know because I am a boxing fan, and that's where some of the actual boxers were. Um, I did. I found out some things while watching the fight that I didn't know going into it. That, for instance, Jake Paul agreed to take less money on this card. So more money could be distributed to the undercard fighters to try to make it a more reputable undercard. I thought that was good, but I also thought, well, maybe it's something that Showtime said we're not showing this fight unless, you know, go back to Triller or something like that. If not, so I don't know exactly how much they had in this. I thought it was a competitive fight. I thought Woodley came to fight because there was a lot of talk that he might take a dive or something. But it was a competitive fight between two guys that don't know how to box. Jake Paul looked <laughs> stiff. His foot movement wasn't there. He even said after the fight that his his legs felt kind of kind of weird and, and wanky going in the dressing room and that. And I'm thinking, what, did you just watch Manny Pacquiao talk about after his last fight when his, his legs weren't necessarily there or something, but it wasn't an excuse? But, uh, you know, Woodley thought that he won the fight because he rocked him in one of the rounds. Uh, I was watching the judges' scorecard on Showtime. It was going on, and they had Paul winning every one of the rounds, and I'm going, what the hell are they watching here? You know, so I wasn't sure about that. And then I thought, okay, it's in Cleveland. The Pauls are from Cleveland. But who's judging? There was two judges from Ohio and one from Pennsylvania. Athletic commission judges? I'm assuming so. I mean, they were the same judges on the actual boxing card that they had below it that were were actual fights. So, But, again, I'm I'm watching it. and I mean, it was a more competitive fight than I expected. At least Jake Paul now knows what it's like. The other thing that I will say for an eight-round fight Jake Paul's lucky he survived it. He was breathing very heavy by the fourth round. So he's not in boxing shape. And I think Woodley actually gained a little bit of confidence during the fight because, he, again, he hasn't fought in a while. This is a guy that when he fought in MMA, fought at 170. This was a catchway to 190. 
So, you know, he's fighting 20 pounds ahead, ahead of his weight, and it still went to a split decision. I was a little bit surprised by that just because it sounded like every, the announcers and everybody else, not necessarily Al or whatever, but, again, when they're showing the scorecards, they're acting like Jake Paul's dominating the fight, and I'm like, what are they watching? Two or three-minute rounds. Three minute rounds. They actually went three minute rounds. I, I believe so. Sure? I, maybe it was two. I don't. Okay. Even, I, I didn't. In, 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 okay. Well, yeah, because that's a big deal too. It just shows you what more of a farce. First of all, it's eight rounds, especially if it's only two minute rounds, like a lot of these quote unquote exhibitions. Yeah, are, I thought whatever. it was three, but again, it could have yeah. been two. And I just because okay. I was just watching when the round started in that to see what was going on. Like I say, Woodley rocked him in one round, but the one thing, and this was you can tell where Woodley's not necessarily a boxer. He then backed off him a little bit. He didn't go after him. You know, and it's like when you when you have an opponent hurt and you're a real boxer, that's the time that you really close in and you finish a guy. Yeah. He and, didn't do that. But but see, I think I think these analogies are kind of funny because you're 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 looking at it and I'm not uh, saying anything about you. This is just what I've hear other people too. They're like analyzing it like it's a real boxing match. And it's not. It is the farthest thing from a real boxing match. And you said it perfectly. Oh, that's kind of entertaining. But for two guys that have no business boxing, that can't fight at all. Right, but I knew it, that going yeah, into the fight I, that I was going to be the I know. situation. But that's my point is it shouldn't even get to this. It shouldn't get to this because this is pure garbage because somebody is willing to pay these two clowns a you know money to do this. Doesn't make it a sporting event, in my opinion. It doesn't make it an entertaining event. It doesn't make it attractive. I shouldn't say entertaining event. It doesn't make it uh, attractive. It's garbage. And all of his, the Paul's shenanigans from him and his brother, that's all part of the garbage. And there, to me, there's nothing entertainment. But more importantly, there's nothing relevant about this. And that's why you couldn't find it you know, with ESPN and, and no one really covering it because it's not relevant at all. It's just a money grab, a money scheme. And there is a reason why this thing is on pay-per-view. And I think a lot of people miss this. This is not pay-per-view because... It's must-see TV or anything. It's because Showtime did not want to interrupt their regular programming to show this. Sunday night, they've got their primetime programming. They were not going to clutter that up and, and, and lose the people that want to watch their Sunday night premiere programming. They say, okay, if you want to see this, fine, we'll put it on pay-per-view and you got to go find it. I mean, and that's why no other major network was even bidding for this. When I say major network, I'm saying like an ESPN or you know, um, uh, you know, ABC, CBS, or anything Fox of that Sports nature. Or something exactly, like that, exactly. You have to go find it, and this is for the trillers of the world. And you know, you know, Showtime said, okay, well, we did this first thing, fine. We you signed to the Mayweather thing, and the only reason that Paul was on the Showtime thing before because it was Mayweather, and Mayweather is still tied. To Showtime, so like okay, we'll we'll do this thing with Paul and, and give him another shot or whatever. But but for me, if you want to watch this, you're going to have to go find it. And and this is how little that Showtime actually thinks of this. And now Bernstein may argue with me in this and that, but I I think that is definitely it by putting it on a Sunday that they're not going to clutter up their programming, you know, for this. So you know you know to me, I hope that we are. People are finally seeing this for what it is, and people get away from it. Because, to me, it didn't have the hype that the other nonsense did. And to say a rematch is going to happen with a guy, like you said, who is a UFC guy, not a boxer whatsoever, but wants to go get a free paycheck and do something that he's no good at. No, and, and again, he, he wasn't terrible because it was a competitive fight because they are about the same level. They were three-minute rounds, by the way. But wouldn't you agree that he has no business, Tyron Woodley has no business no, getting in a boxing no, ring? No, he, he doesn't. He couldn't fight a real boxer. He, he doesn't, but you know what? A, a lot of these celebrity fights don't don't belong on a thing. We see right. more basketball That's players than that doing it. Yeah. And when you say that you hope that this kind of puts an end to it or something— I, I don't think it's going to. I think we're going to see more and more of them because as long as, as long as you get enough of a niche audience to buy the pay-per-view, it doesn't take that many pay-per-views for these things to make money. Jake Paul's going to make over $2 million, they said, for this fight, probably in upwards of three. Um, Tyrone Woodley got is getting, I believe it was 500000 guaranteed, and when the pay-per-view right. numbers come in, it'll be over a million dollars. That's more than he made in his last four or five MMA fights. For these guys, it's still worth the money. They showed Part of this card was to showcase the first fight card of the four on the undercard was Tyson Fury's brother. Right. He was supposed to be Jake Paul's next opponent. He didn't look that 
great in his well, performance. He, he's not a good fighter. No, he's not a good fighter, yeah. but they were going to go for that name recognition. But then because this fight went split decision, Woodley said it, and I think they're going to do the rematch again. Do I want to see the rematch? No, I didn't necessarily want to see right. this one. I want to hang out with some friends of mine or whatever. But people go for the three-ring circus. They always have. They always will. You don't need to do gigantic pay-per-view numbers. And the one thing I'll disagree with you slightly on is the ESPN thing. ESPN is notorious for not showing stuff on their ticker and stuff like that that they don't cover. They used to never show soccer scores. Oh, now we're covering soccer. Hey, here's a yeah. they, they do the weigh-ins for the UFC. They never cared about MMA. Yeah, but if this ESPN, is totally different. No, no, I understand yeah. that. But what I'm saying yeah. is just because ESPN doesn't show it on their lead – doesn't mean that that's not relevant. It means that ESPN doesn't give a damn about well, it. Well, again, I don't know any sports fan, true sports fan, and zero boxing fans that had any interest in this thing at all. I'll give and, you one. And, and, give you one. <laughs> B-Cell. B-Cell, when he let off on the sports extra last night, said, I know that it's a guilty pleasure type thing, but basically I was looking forward to this thing, and he enjoyed it. Well, Again, that 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 that's not the the P one there. He's he's not the P one guy. And again, he's now he might have been he singing. Likes Tyrone and, Woodley. He might have been singing and dancing he, the entire yeah. time. He I said, don't know. He but. said he likes Tyrone Woodley because he had covered him, uh, you know, on on the UFC. So side. maybe he's excited but, to yeah, see the rematch yeah. too. I don't so, know. I don't know. But uh, it, this will not do gigantic numbers when it comes back. It depends on what you say. But again, look at Jake Paul. He is doing this for the money grab, but he wants to be a boxer. He wants to fight boxers, and he can't do that yet. This is the only way that he can get anyone's attention. But he doesn't want to fight these crumb bums. He thinks that he can be a guy like Canelo Alvarez. He said it. So he wants to fight those guys, but he knows that he'll get killed by these guys. Well, that's why he wanted so, to fight Fury, yeah. because at least Fury is technically a real boxer. Well, his brother but is, I, yeah. the, the one thing that I think he found out in this fight was, Hey, you know what? I'm not there yet. I was hoping Tyrone Woodley was going to win the fight and knock him out because maybe then we would have put a stop to all this. You know, it, I think you're going to see less and less of this. Mm-hmm. I do. I think. I think. I, I hope you're right. I think yes. you're wrong. Yeah. I just again, we've already seen the hype up here a year ago, and it's and it's and it's already dwindled a little bit because they cannot, they can't top what they've done before. And again, this, this didn't top anything. I mean, you had a low level. Two low-level boxers. They had zero boxers. But anyway. Right, but but we're talking about fights with Ocho Cinco and Lamar Odom and football players. And and again, we're coming off of that, which was garbage. So it's it's getting less and less now. So we'll see. A lot of people like to take out the garbage, my friend. I know. This is true. (laughs) want to thank uh, Tony Fisher for joining us. Also, Trevor Maddich. Tomorrow, Terrible Tuesday. Plenty of Terrible Tuesday takes. So hang tight with that. And a lot of college football as we get ready for this weekend's action. For Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin saying so long. Go to the website. Check it all out. You can uh, still check out our Friday show with all the music. The Music Fest. It is up there. Check that out and everything else at tcmartinshow.com.